Welcome to the One M Strong Podcast. I am Marvin Harris, your host. One M Strong is dedicated to building stronger small businesses. We talk with entrepreneurs and the people who support the small businesses behind the business to learn how to build and grow sustainable businesses. On today's podcast, we have Azim Nagri. Azim is the principal at Nagri Consulting, and he's going to talk to us today about building better customer relationships. Welcome to the podcast, Azim. On today's One Em Strong podcast, we have Azim. He's going to talk to us today about cust- building better customer relationships and how retailers can maximize customer loyalty through those relationships. Azim, tell us about yourself. Give the audience a little yeah. background on what you're doing and how you help uh, help people. So, yeah, great. Thanks, uh, yeah. Marvin. Thanks very much for being the opportunity to be on the show today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you and I have been talking for about a year now, so it's been, yeah, it's thrilling to be able to talk with you and your <laughs> listeners about making their, uh, their businesses stronger. Yeah, um, a little bit about my little bit about my background. Uh, I've worked with companies both large and small for the last twenty years, typically focused on growth. Mm-hmm. and what needs to be done to help that company grow and then how to handle that growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while I've previously done that as an employee of these companies, uh, I started my own business to help out businesses like the ones owned by your listeners uh, on a consulting basis. So um, in addition to that, I've partnered with my wife to launch three businesses, uh, two of which now have been sold, and one retail food business that we're still running. So. I can definitely uh, speak with experience and have the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, especially in the retail space. Oh, for sure. Um, so let's start there. If you were to give three quick takeaways of what inhibits people from growing, whether they're a retailer, a SaaS startup, or, or any other product-based business, what, what would be the things that you see most often people struggle with or have challenges yeah. with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me, if, if, if I could, let me start with sort of one big one. Okay. And I can break that down into a, a couple of different ones. But okay. the biggest thing for me is really focusing on the customer. And what I find is that so many of the businesses I work with, they're so focused internally and the customer is kind of a secondary thought. Huh. And so, you know, they get their sales team organized or get their, their point of display, uh, you know, the point of sales systems working and everything is geared towards about making the business better. But too often they kind of forget about the customer. And in my view, it should be the other way around, which is you've got to think about the customer first. The customer is paramount. And then everything that you do through the POS system that you set up, through the displays that you do, through the website that you build, Everything you do should really be done through the lens of what's best for the customer. Does that kind of make sense? That makes perfect sense. I honestly think that's a struggle for people because uh-huh. um, on my last podcast, I talked about this, but I'll say it again. People don't focus on purpose enough about either why they started something yep. and who they really serve and what job are you doing for the customer? Because there's, I believe, a surface, a surface level job. And then there's an underlying job, like uh, before COVID happened, you might have caught the train to work and you stopped at this place because it was convenient for you, right? But now mm-hmm. that COVID's gone, you don't mm-hmm. go to that business anymore because you had a transactional relationship with them, not a right. purpose-driven relationship. So I have no motivation yeah. to keep servicing you. So I always ask people, why are they your customer? 
And then from there, yeah. you can kind of build, like you talked about all those little systems and, and those types of things to help you be customers focused because it's easier said than done. Right. So, yeah. No, yeah. I, I think that's absolutely, uh, absolutely critical. Mo. You, you hit it right on there, which is how do you build a relationship? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, one of the most interesting things or one of the most commonly, uh, some of the most common areas where people don't get this right ironically enough, is around the product itself. Interesting. And not necessarily think about the product itself. Uh, and it doesn't matter whether it's a tangible thing like a widget or, uh-huh. an, or, a, or a software, a piece of software or even a service. And I think what happens and so often, what so often happens is founders get so excited about the product that they want to build that they don't necessarily stop and think whether it's a product the customers want to buy. Right. Uh, so let me give, let me give you an example. There was a, I was working with a food business many years ago, and uh, he was originally from Sweden, and he came to me with such great excitement. He's like, you know, I make the best Swedish desserts that you have ever tasted. It's going to be fantastic. <laughs> you know, I, I've got these little nuances. We've got this pastry. I do it this way. And to my response was, man, I really hope this is going to work out for you because I'm sure that you are the best Swedish dessert chef in Austin, but no one wants to buy Swedish desserts. <laughs> uh, and, and, and sure enough, it broke my funny. heart. But, but six months later, he, 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 was, uh, he was kind of out of business. And so the advice I love to give to people thinking about your customer first is you've got to really think about which path to go down. And it, to me, there's really two paths. So one is you've got to build a better mousetrap. Hmm. meaning that there's already existing customer demand, customers want that product, and you're going to go out in the market and you're going to build a relationship with your customers because your product is better than anything else on the market. Hmm. And that might be the product itself. It might be the way you sell the product. It might be the way you service the customer. Whatever it is, your product is better than anything else on the planet. Definitely doable, but obviously it, it can be challenging as well. So that's sort of option number one. Option number two is where you need to be prepared to convince people that they have a problem that they don't even know they have. And that goes back to my Swedish dessert guy. Mm-hmm. Like he was solving a problem of Swedish desserts. No one knew they had a Swedish dessert problem. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> and so he had to convince people that he had a sweet that, 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 that they needed Swedish dessert, and that can be incredibly rewarding because you're the person that cracks this market open. You're first uh-huh. to market. You own this market. Your name becomes synonymous with it. But it can be really hard as well. It just takes a lot of right. time and persistence. Uh, and back to your point, it all goes back to how do you build that relationship of trust especially in this digital environment where your face-to-face transactions may be a fraction of what they were before. Yeah, I think um, something else people need to think about is brand positioning and how they position the brand to align with that trust. Uh, And now that we have to be even more digital than ever Mm -hmm. before, because for a lot of businesses that we're talking to, they had in-person relationships, so digital was kind of an afterthought or, or not really an integral part of their business, but now it needs to be a component of it. And Mm -hmm. in some cases, a large component of it. So I would say, are you, can you, in your digital communications, are you reflecting those trust 
yeah. interactions because I've even found this with our, as we're trying to grow up on my business, which is in cases where I'm talking to people on the phone, I find that I can build trust faster there yes. than I was doing digitally because there's something I'm doing uh, in those conversations that I'm not communicating as well digitally. So those evaluation points are really important so you can figure out how to replicate it when you're not in front of people, right? Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. And again, to your point is that it's it's all about a statement of consistency, mm-hmm. which is the way that you conduct yourself by your digital email communications, for example, or on your website or on the phone, they all need to be consistent with what your overall is. Um, so, for example, and if you're very... If you're highly transactional in your business, just the nature of your product is very highly mm-hmm. transactional. Call, call it a packet of gum. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, then you need to make sure that everything reflects that sort of transactional nature of it. So you're going to make sure that it's easy for customers to buy. They can get in and out really quickly. You're going to be low cost because gum's a pretty commoditized market. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everything is consistent. Flip side is if you're going to buy something like a, a package of consulting services, well, that's a very, very relationship-driven type of role. Yeah, and so everything, sure. both your personal interactions as well as your digital interactions, need to reflect that relationship-driven approach. Uh, so you make a very, very good point there, Martin. Yeah, and I also think channels become important. Where are the customers that you want to learn about you and where are they complaining about the problem you solve or what you yeah. provide them? Because not every channel is the right one. Like, for example, we're, we're testing, I'm big on this experiment thing. And you have to experiment, mm-hmm. but it should be around a hypothesis that's linked yeah. to a goal or outcome, right? Because then you can measure what's going well or what's not. Uh, for a lot of B2B type businesses, they're on LinkedIn, but that's not always the platform that might be best for you. Mm-hmm. It really has to do with what you serve and where those customers are, because I found engaging on LinkedIn sometimes is not necessarily where my buyers are, but where other types of, uh, yeah. you know, brand awareness are. So you also have to align it to the goals you want for the channels that you're on and then try to figure out what's really going to help enable growth and what might enable something else. So thinking through one of the suggestions I was going to have to, to the listeners is just to remind them to talk to your customers, both actual customers and prospects, talk mm-hmm. to them extensively and frequently. Hmm. And I think sometimes we forget to do that. We forget yeah. to actually talk to our customers. Um, and, and I'm not advocating, especially for, for customers that might be at the early stage of their business, mm-hmm. you, know, you don't need to go and pay thousands and thousands of dollars for some really robust market research. Right. I think there's a time and place for that, but you don't need mm-hmm. to do that early on. What I'm suggesting is just pick up the phone and, and mm-hmm. call them. Or if they're coming into your store, just say, hey, do you have two more minutes to, to chat about things? I'd love to get your advice or your feedback right. on, on what's going on. Um, and when you're having those conversations, I think it's absolutely critical to make sure that you're not selling whatever it is that you want to sell, you're actually just listening. Mm. So when a customer comes in and packs up that, you know, uh, by that pack of gum, hey, what else, what, how, how's your day going? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's been going, okay, you know, my coffee. Where are you getting your coffee from? And start asking those questions. And I think what you'll do is two things. One, you'll build that relationship, which right. I've already talked about as being critically important. But secondly, you'll actually get a much better understanding about how customers 
view your product uh, and view other products that they're buying in, in, as, as well. And it's not just what they tell you, it's what you learn from what they say. And sometimes that is the yeah. bigger story in it and that you show that you care because I, I, it's really important that you create experiences that make people connect with you. Like some, some people have had customers for years and don't even have an email list, like hundreds or thousands. So you, you're not engaging with them in a way that might enable opportunity. That's why somebody like Jeff Bezos, for example, before COVID started, he was worth a ton of money but he's doubled that net worth, yeah. even though he has let stop. <laughs> so, but yeah. that was because customer loyalty and digital trust was on Amazon. And when things went around, they know in this current situation, I can trust for them to give me what I want and they make it easy for me. So I always think people yeah. need to ask themselves about what's happening in the current economic environment and the local environment and see how yeah. you can be an enabler of trust during those times. Because it yeah, may be, the customers may need something different from you, like right now, then they may need six months, and you always have to be listening to figure that out. So Yeah, exactly. And, and that, you know, well, it's absolutely critical, because just to your point, the way you did business six months ago mm -hmm. is going to be different to the way you're doing business today, mm -hmm. and it's going to be different to the way you're going to be doing business in six months' time. And you could sit and, again, sort of focus inwardly right. and hope that you figure it out, or you just go outside and go back again, talk to your customers and ask them what they're looking for, what problems they're facing, and then how can you evolve and adapt to meet them where they want to be met versus trying to drag them to your solution. Uh, and that's the mistake I think often people make. So if, if people are struggling with that, they're, they're too inward and they realize it, what, do you have any suggestions how they can start uh, reinventing themselves so they're more sure. customer-focused business than they are yeah. today? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. I get a couple of suggestions. So mm -hmm. one, you know, sort of reiterating what we just talked about before, which is go and talk to your customers. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's just absolutely critical to be able to do that. And then most importantly is when you're talking to them, again, it's not you talking to them, it's them talking to you where you're doing some listening to try and figure out what's going on. I think that's really, really important. And the second thing that I always recommend to people is no matter how big or small your organization is, you want to bring that customer-centric culture and inject that into your organization. And oh, this needs to start at the top. Okay. You know, whether it be the CEO or the owner or the founder or the case may be, they need to start sort of talking about the customer and then have that pervade throughout the organization. So you know, some really simple tactical things that you could do. Again, it depends upon the organization. But when was the last time you celebrated a great customer interaction that hmm. happened with your customer support team? Oh, wow, that's interesting. Hmm. And the answer is no. I mean, <laughs> right. in, the same, in the same way that we high-five the sales guy for closing a new deal, in my opinion, you should be high-fiving that customer support person they got a rating of five out of five on that particular ticket mm. because they were obviously having a very, very customer-centric approach and they made the customer feel good, uh, mm. which is really important. Some other examples, when was the last time you actually shared a customer story with your broader team? Oh, wow. People, people need to think about who the customer is. And you can even go one more a step further than that, which was challenge everyone in your company 
to actually speak to a customer. The sales guys do it. The customer support teams do it. The CEO probably does it. When was the last time someone in your finance team spoke to a customer? When was the last time someone in your engineering team, the product team, spoke to a customer other than to request feedback? And the answer is shockingly, you know, they've never done it. And so to my perspective was, look, you're in charge of accounts receivable and you're in charge of accounts payable. How can you possibly do that role without knowing who's on the other side of that equation for you? Hmm. you know, and, and, and that's true of every department, whether you're building products. If you're building products, you need to know, what the, you need to know who the customers are. If you're that's selling true. a product, you know? So I think injecting that customer culture into the organization from the tap down is, is, is a massive step that you can take to get that customer centricity into you, into the organization. Now, what about, I think that's true for, you know, every size business. I mean, it sounds like I'm only talking about big businesses. No, every size business. No, no. So what about capturing the data? Because, okay, now we're communicating it so you can spread that around. And do you have any recommendations how to capture it so it can be, be meaningful and tangible and actionable for people? Yeah, I think the biggest, so, you know, there's a plethora of tools right. out there. You know, whether you're using a full-bled CRM system mm-hmm. or whether you're using an Excel spreadsheet or a Google Doc, um, I, I tend to encourage the businesses that I work with to focus less on the tools okay, more around the process and discipline okay. to be able to do it. Because what I've often found is that, you know, someone will go out and say, look, we need Salesforce or we need HubSpot. Mm. And you spend you know, thousands or tens of thousands of dollars doing this full-blown implementation. And in six months, you're really disappointed with the results. Because what actually the problem was, was that you didn't have a discipline within your organization okay. to capture that data. Tools are a great way to automate and streamline existing processes. They do nothing to create the process. It's people so that create the process. It's people and teams. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and discipline. And, and discipline. discipline. You know, mm-hmm. If you start off capturing that data for, for the first month, you've got to keep doing it every single month. Otherwise... Uh, you know, you don't get the data that you need. So, you know, I have sometimes I've I've interviewed business owners and they say, I just don't have time. I'm I'm at a hundred and five percent of utilization, so I don't need to add another task. What do you say to people like that to say, Hey, I don't have time for that. I'm I'm doing okay without that. What what do you say to people that have that mindset? So sure. give it a little bit and you're gonna have plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> So now you're 105, give it all the time, and you'll be at 70, 60, 50. And then it's too late. It's too late. That's true. It catches up to you, especially when things go downhill. That's when you really see it, right? So, yeah. 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 And, and I get it. It's tough. You know, um, mm-hmm. you know again, thinking about how uh, my, my wife's business is going. I mean, she's running 100 miles a minute, mm-hmm. uh, trying to juggle all these balls. And these are really important balls in the air about this person ordered a cake and it hasn't showed up and right. this employee is meant to do these three things and they've only done two. So, you know, I get the reality of the day-to-day tactical thing. Um, but you know, what I always encourage her to do and encourage your listener to do encourage your listeners to do is you, you've got to carve out time. It's just mm-hmm. one of those things that is just as important as 
working with today's customers is you've got to always be thinking about your your tomorrow's customers. Yeah, the, I always um, I have an advisor. He always says the two B world. Business is always about the two B, not the as is state of the world. Correct. Right? So Correct. where do you? So I always like to tell people to think about the top things they want to accomplish and link that to everything you do. So I think a big takeaway for people is build customer focus throughout every process in the business and link it to mm-hmm. every success metric of the business. If Correct. not, you can't really yeah. get there because you don't, you, you, if not, you just create these silos and yep. it's really not Absolutely. permeated to like operations inventory, every every element of how you serve customers needs to be linked to that to that customer feedback loop, yeah. if you will. hundred percent. And, you know, I've seen various organizations where people's compensation is even mm-hmm. tied to those sort of success metrics. And that can be a very challenging thing for someone in the finance team to be told right. that part of their compensation is dependent upon something as esoteric about whether a customer comes back and buys again. Hmm. Uh, that can feel a little uncomfortable, but if assuming you can get over that, what mm-hmm. you find is suddenly that finance person gets creative. Well, what can I do in my role to make sure that customer comes back? Well, hmm. maybe I can extend them a little bit better terms, or maybe I can draft the contract, or maybe I move on to online payments. Right. There are things that everyone can do that actually has a positive interaction for the customer. Yeah. And I also think surveys can be valuable and it doesn't have to always be them filling out some form. You can, in those communications, you could just document things in those conversations and then share it with the company, like you said, and you, you'll probably see some patterns emerge in terms of the types of customer uh, how frequently they bu- they do business, especially if you already have a CRM and you can yep. link those sales or you have a POS system. If you integrate that, you can see, you can correlate factors and you might realize a revenue opportunity or a new source of income that you had no idea existed because of those conversations. So, Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, uh, it, it might be sort of uh, a little bit challenging for many of your listeners because of, of where they're at, but mm-hmm. you're, you're absolutely right. I've seen businesses where they've seen hey, customer bought products A, B, and C, mm-hmm. I know from experience that that means they're ready for product D. So right. let me get ahead of that and send mm-hmm. it as a sort of recommendation. And that's an example of that sort of product-centric approach is that you're not trying to push product D because you just need to sell more product D. Right. You're making the customer aware that product B, D is what they need right now and for that, the customer is actually very, very grateful, and it continues to build that relationship of trust because now you're only putting in front of them products that they actually need. And you can almost systematize that. I have a subscriber, and she, you know, found some patterns, and she mm-hmm. built it into her e-commerce process. And so, yeah. none of her employees have to even ask if they order online. Mm-hmm. And she said it it really resulted. Uh, she increased her average ticket price to like twenty percent per order just by doing that yeah. simple task. But she was tracking and yeah. monitoring, and then she implemented an experiment, and she prompted the questions she was having because she said her employees wouldn't always ask those things. So yep. she yeah. digitized it, right? So that learning can create a a way to systematize some of this once you once you really dig in and 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 
embrace the opportunity. So if people want to get in touch with you, learn more about what you do or how you help accelerate growth for people, can you give yeah. people your contact information? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be, that'd be great. So uh, he, he just plays your three email address, which mm-hmm. is Azim, that's A as an Apple, Z-I-M, mm-hmm. uh, at Negree Consulting, M-A-G-R-E-E Consulting.com. Okay. Uh, do you have a website or any other information or your know, social media? Yeah. Yeah. Negree, uh, Negree consulting.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm also available on LinkedIn just under as in Negree. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, this has been wonderful. I enjoyed it. I think a lot of people get some great insight about refocusing their energy on customers and not themselves. And yeah. hopefully it'll lead to more sustainable businesses and more growing businesses. So thank you for your time. Look forward to talking Thanks. to you again. Yep. Thanks, Bob. Yep. Have a good one. All Take right, care. you too.